Hello, and welcome to Somatic, an exploration of the everyday experiences, spaces, cultures, and practices of our bodies in motion. We're really excited to have completed our first full-length episode and hope you enjoy what we've made. This project has been the culmination of a lot of work by some really great people, and we're looking forward to sharing it with you. Hopefully, we can craft this into a really fun and informative experience for us all, and this is just the first step. With that, I think it's time to dive straight into the focus of this episode. Today, we're going to talk about the Olympics. The long process of getting to the 2016 Olympic and Paralympic Games is seemingly a distant memory as the end of this Olympic year is only around the corner. But for the millions living in former Olympic cities, the message to the people of Rio could well be that the hangover from the Games can be a long one, and this is only the beginning. that the games of the 31st Olympiad are awarded to the city of Rio de Janeiro. Right now, the games is immediately in the rearview mirror and an almost infinite number of commentaries on the game still ring loudly in our ears. In order to cut through some of this noise, and to answer some questions that came up for us regarding the games, we turned to someone who had previously had their feet on the ground in Rio, and is asking many of the same questions in his growing research agenda. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Clift. I'm a lecturer at University of Bath. Uh, I'm in the Department for Health as part of the Physical Cultural Studies Research Group, and I'm also affiliated um, with the Center for Development Studies here at Bath. We started by asking Brian about his experiences in Rio and what has come to define Brazil's approach to hosting these global mega events. We wonder about when he looks back to Brazil 2014 and Rio 2016, what will shape his view of these times the most? While I was in Rio in 2014, just prior to and during the first half of the World Cup in the group stage, I participated in and photographed several protests of the Cup and the impending Olympics. And I was driven by this, this kind of critique of public expenditure, forced dispa- displacement, uh, of a variety of people across the city and, and some brutal treatment from the militarized police in Rio. Uh, and so in some of these protests, thousands took to the streets. Largely, protests were peaceful, but violent responses to police presences also occurred. Ironically, though, many people that protested end up going on to watch the cup, uh, especially, especially when Brazil played. Um, Okay, so how can you march in protests on the one hand and then seemingly turn around and become a supporter on the other hand? For Brian, there was an obvious answer. People are passionate in Brazil for the things that they believe in. Social protests is a really good example of this, as it is commonly accepted that large protests can and do take to the street. Demonstration in response to various issues, problems or injustices is a way of life as much as football is. The two don't really negate one another, as you might think. Yes, there are some who lie outside of this, those that refuse to watch after protesting, as well as those who watched uh, in fervent support without protesting. In general, though, one can both be an avid supporter, yet have serious and real issues with the way the World Cup and the Olympic Games have played out in relation to new and long-standing issues of inequality, political corruption, injustices, and so forth. And Brazil is a good example of this. It shows us this. Looking forward, we asked Brian how he sees the future for Rio and Brazil in the collective wake of the FIFA World Cup in 2014 and the Games this summer. What we're seeing in virtually every Olympics and several other kinds of mega events is that increasingly it's difficult for host countries to mobilize an event in a productive, humanist and positive ways. And those things together are really hard to come by. At the same time, we're also seeing governing bodies such as the IOC and FIFA profit considerably from the game, as well as the various corporate and financial backers of such games. 
Rio seems to extend this to yet another Olympics. Economic elites and those that stand to benefit from the games at higher, higher level echelons of society reap many of the rewards, while the political body receives far less and in many instances are, are somewhat burdened by the games. However, what Brian suggests we're being told is a story that stands in stark difference to this reality. For the country itself, Rio 2016 is meant to contribute to reshaping uh, Brazil in a number of ways. And I won't want to emphasize meant or intended in the sense, because what we don't know is whether or not these things are actually going to come to fruition. Uh, one, one thing that Brazil is looking to do is to remake its, its kind of global image expanding from popular notions of beach, sun, breathtaking scenery, sex, football, carnival, and samba. The city's aiming to become a better host for encouraging tourism. At the city level, the infrastructure changes are intended to change the face of the city by providing better mobility within and through Rio via upgrades to its airport, its roads, metro system, and bus systems. Security is meant to be improved. Environmental protection is intended to be increased. And air and water quality are also part of that environmental agenda. For the populace of Rio, the games are intended to bring added jobs, housing, uh, housing construction, and training opportunities. Youth and education are meant to be better engaged via investment from the federal government for sport and physical activity infrastructure. And the sporting infrastructure of the nation is also on the agenda, providing scholarships, training opportunities, and facilities for athletes uh, and, and for officials. These are but a few of the many and varied ways that the games we are told will positively shape Brazil as a, as a country, Rio as a city, and its people. I'm in no doubt that some of these will be achieved and some will not. How we evaluate the success of or failure of Rio is going to be no easy task, and time will tell, I suppose. Building an infrastructure is, is scheduled to go through the year 2030, so the, the, the timing to evaluate is, is really quite extensive.
Considering the distance that increasingly exists between the stated goals and hopes of the Olympics, and its many troubling realities, we also asked Brian about whether there is an opportunity that Rio will spark a more fundamental change in the structure of the Olympics, as well as how it is hosted in the future. I would love to be able to say yes, but, um, but I doubt it. Nor do I know what will compel change within the IOC. Economic powers that invest in the games, political elites who aim to use the games for populist motivations, not sure how those um, how those groups are willing to step in and make changes when they see opportunities for the games as they are. Politically, many cities are saying no to the games uh, during the bidding process, but, but that does little to induce change there's, as there's still plenty of cities saying yes to hosting. Perhaps it will take the IOC struggling to find cities to host the games in order for change to happen. Uh, I don't foresee that happening either. Several critics have suggested for quite some time now, actually, that the games are in trouble, primarily because they are economically unsustainable. I agree with the economists that point towards the unsustainability of the games, but I do not agree that the end of the games are near, nor that they are in trouble. The games are so much more than an economically driven project. Yes, they are that, but they are also an athletic event that many athletes view as the pinnacle of their careers. Part of a global cultural tradition at this point, they represent a sign of international cooperation. Nations mobilize them in order to access these things, as well as convey political and economic power. And they present an opportunity for a variety of kinds of investments, whether that's business, infrastructure, or symbolically reorienting a city or, or nation. For those reasons, I do not see an end to the games going to democratic nations. Cities and nations are still lining up to host the games under the auspices that they can make the games work for them, despite the association of the games as an economic albatross. What the future will be for Rio and Brazil in the wake of the Games is difficult to predict at this point. With hope that the promises of the Games will come to fruition, the sometimes negative realities of the Games' legacy is only starting to settle in for many. As for the Games, it looks to be business as usual. With Pyeongchang around the corner and preparations for Tokyo well underway, any attempts to push for change from the IOC to better ensure positive outcomes for everyone connected to the Games seem unlikely to succeed. Some high-profile cities have said no, but with many more lined up for their opportunity to be the next Olympic city, seemingly no matter the cost, we may be having a very similar conversation around the Games for years to come.
First off, we want to thank Dr. Brian Cliff for answering a number of our questions and providing a critical, considered, and in-depth view on the games in Rio. Without his input, this episode wouldn't have been possible. He continues to carry out research on the games in Rio, as well as working on a number of other really innovative and important research projects. You can find out more about Brian and his work if you head to his faculty profile page at the University of Bath website. We also want to thank Springfield College for providing funding help to buy recording equipment necessary to make the show. All the original music and sound design was from Somatic's co-founder, Sam Clevenger, who also helped with editing and writing for the episode. The production, editing, and writing for this episode was also from myself, Oliver Rick. If you're interested in looking at this topic in some more depth, a blog post that accompanies this episode can be found at our website, somaticpodcast.com. You can receive all future episodes of Somatic through our page on SoundCloud, or you can subscribe through iTunes. You can also find our initial pilot episode there. That was just a small seven-minute bit of audio, the original version of which was our submission piece for the PRX PodQuest, held in early 2016. Lastly, we're always looking to develop new episodes, so if you're interested in working with us or want to pitch us an idea, you can send us an email anytime at somaticpodcast.gmail.com. Again, we appreciate you taking the time to listen and hope you join us for the next episode of Somatic. Somatic.